Hello, wherever you're listening to us, I hope you're staying safe and doing well. I'm Hari Arakli and this is today's Tech Briefing. Later in the program, I'll be speaking to Prasad Wanga, founder and CEO of Ant Hill Ventures, about the firm's speed scaling process for startups and its latest accelerator focused on applying technology to solve the biggest problems faced by our largest cities. That's after these headlines. SoftBank Group Corp is in talks to invest again in Flipkart four years after it sold its entire 21% stake in the Indian e-commerce company to Walmart, Economic Times reports, citing sources aware of the talks. Through its vision fund, the Japanese telecom and internet conglomerate, founded by billionaire Masayoshi Son, could invest $600 to $700 million in Flipkart, now a unit of Walmart. If the funding goes through, Flipkart may even delay its US IPO plan for early next year, ET reports. The funding is part of a larger $2 billion round which could involve sovereign wealth funds such as Abu Dhabi's ADQ and Canada's CPPIB and existing investors such as GIC and Qatar Investment Authority, according to the newspaper. The transaction is likely to value Flipkart at between $25 billion and $30 billion, according to the Economic Times. Tata Consultancy Services, India's biggest and one of the world's largest IT services companies, aims to reduce its absolute greenhouse gas emissions by 70% by 2025 from its 2016 levels. And TCS plans to achieve net zero emissions by 2030, the company said in a press release yesterday. The company achieved its previous target of reducing its specific carbon footprint by half by 2020 from 2008 levels ahead of schedule. In FY21, TCS's specific carbon footprint for direct and indirect emissions was lower by 61.6% compared with the baseline year of FY08. At the core of TCS's strategy to reduce its carbon footprint is improved energy efficiency through the addition of more green buildings to the company's real estate portfolio, reduction of IT systems power usage, and the use of the TCS Clever Energy solution, which uses IoT, machine learning, and AI to optimize energy consumption across campuses. TCS's Vision 2525 is a strategic initiative to de-link its business growth from campus expansion and brings down emissions related to the employee commutes and business travel. Other elements of its net zero aspiration include greater use of renewable sources of energy and carbon removal offsets. A bipartisan legislation has been introduced in the U.S. House of Representatives to eliminate the per-country cap on employment-based green card, a move which is likely to benefit Indian IT professionals languishing over decades of waiting for the permanent resident card, Press Trust of India reported yesterday. The legislation was introduced by Congresswoman Zoe Lofgren and Congressman John Curtis. The Equal Access to Green Cards for Legal Employment or EGLE Act 2021 needs to be passed by the Senate before it can be sent to the White House for the President to sign it into a law. A green card known officially as a permanent resident card is a document issued to immigrants to the US as evidence that the bearer has been granted the privilege of residing permanently. Indian IT professionals, most of whom are highly skilled and come to the US mainly on the H-1B non-migrant work visa, are among those affected by the current immigration system. 
which imposes a 7% per country quota on allotment of the coveted green card or permanent legal residency. The new bill phases out the 7% per country limit on employment-based immigrant visas. The bill also raises the 7% per country limit on family-sponsored visas to 15%. The number of active internet users in India is expected to increase by 45% in the next five years and touch 900 million by 2025 from around 622 million in 2020, according to a report by the Internet and Mobile Association of India. By then, there will be more internet users in rural India than in the cities. The report defines an active user as someone who has accessed the internet at least once in the past month. This increase will be driven by higher adoption in rural India, which has clocked a 13% growth over the past year to 299 million internet users, which is 31% of India's rural population, the report said. Small towns currently account for almost 2 two out of every five active internet users in the country. However, rural India is still far behind when it comes to digital infrastructure and purchasing power, the report noted. Google yesterday released its Pixel Buds A-series wireless earphones, priced at $99. Google promises the same premium sound experience in this more affordable product compared with the ones released last year that cost $179. The buds have deep integration of the Google Assistant and the physical form factor, including spatial vents, is a result of scanning thousands of ears, Google says, and is meant to ensure that you don't get the plugged ear feeling. The buds also have adaptive sound that changes volume based on your ambient environment. They're available in white and dark olive. Realme, a Chinese smartphone maker whose phones are popular in India, yesterday announced at its inaugural 5G summit that it aims to reach 100 million young consumers with its 5G smartphones over the next three years. At the summit, which was held in partnership with GSMA, CounterPoint Research and Qualcomm, Realme also said that new models in its GT series will be launched this month and the next. Calvin Bahia, principal economist at GSMA Intelligence, said at the summit that as of May this year, 60 countries around the world have launched 5G, 12 of them are emerging markets and mostly in Asia. While the growth of 5G coverage is encouraging, a survey by GSMA shows that other barriers remain for widespread adoption of the new technology amongst consumers, such as affordability of the devices, lack of digital literacy and skills, and costs of mobile data. But the transition to 5G is inevitable across the world and 5G is expected to bring $600 billion to the global economy over the next decade. Talisma Corporation, a provider of customer experience solutions, yesterday announced that it has partnered with Active Intelligence, a Singapore-based fintech startup, to jointly offer conversational AI technologies to banking, financial services and insurance sectors. The collaboration provides a plethora of use cases across retail and commercial banking, insurance and capital markets. Solutions are readily available on channels including WhatsApp and also ensures foolproof seamless fallback for human help whenever needed. Anthill Ventures is a combination of both venture capital and startup acceleration. It is also focusing on backing entrepreneurs who are applying technology to solve the biggest problems faced by our largest cities. I spoke to Prasad Vanga, founder and CEO of Anthill, 
to find out how the firm's speed scaling works and about the focus on urban tech. Prasad, uh, welcome uh, to the show. Thank you for making time for this. For those of us uh, who are not familiar with your work, uh, tell us a little bit about Anthill. Yeah. See, Anthill, uh, you know, the purpose behind Anthill is an ecosystem that, you know, startup companies can leverage, uh, entrepreneurs can leverage uh, for speed scaling. Uh, and what I mean by speed scaling is, uh, you know, today's uh, companies and organizations have to be adaptable, uh, should be able to respond to change very fast, and should also be able to scale very fast. So entrepreneurs with the mindset of and the ability to be able to scale their ideas, um, you know, multifold uh, is, uh, is the interest that Antil has. And what we bring to the ecosystem is that we bring the uh, you know, aspects of capital, uh, sales distribution, uh, marketing strategy, and business model refinements. Uh, this is what we bring to that ecosystem to be able to uh, help them to scale fast. Uh, and that is why we have a pretty large network of mentors who, are, who have scaled companies. Uh, we have a large network of corporates who have provided our uh, portfolio sales distribution. And we have an internal team that can help these companies uh, with marketing. Hmm. And uh, how is Anthill structured? Uh, is it structured like a, a conventional VC firm or is this a different model? Yeah, so it has two parts to it. Uh, one part of the team is basically is focused on helping companies scale up. Uh, and the other part of the team analyze the investment uh, and source the deals for us. Uh, so this is, uh, you know, a VC. We are structured from a regulation as a VC fund but we operate as an operating company, you know, in terms of scaling up. So that's the difference between a, a VC firm and us. A VC firm doesn't need a large team. It needs a, f a few financial analysts and, uh, you know, subject matter experts. Uh, but we have a pretty large team from that perspective, uh, you know, to help this company scale up. Hmm. And uh, when you started it, uh, I think back in 2015, what kind of uh, startups were you looking to invest in? And tell us a bit about how the experience has been so far. Sure. Uh, see, 2015, uh, we started uh, first to test the model. Uh, we said, okay, speed scaling is great, but let's try to put this to test. And we picked a few companies where we said, okay, uh, let's invest in them and help them scale up. And we saw that really worked quite well. Um, you know, we, we didn't have a a specific vertical in mind. It was completely diversified. Uh, we just were trying to test our thesis by picking very courageous entrepreneurs who uh, could basically bring in a business model that can scale fast. Uh, for example, uh, you know, we supported 91 Springboard when they were at a very, very early stage. Um, and you know, they're, today, uh, they're hundreds and thousands of square feet uh, you know, as a co-working space, it scaled up really, really fast, uh, became one of the largest uh, co-working spaces in India. Um, then uh, we, uh, we supported a company called Roadzen, uh, which is like a AAA platform that can basically enable people to, uh, you know, uh, get help if they're stranded. Uh, 
the company scaled up in India as well as China. So I think the help that we provide is to be able to go to the market and to be able to get customers very fast, right? And that's, I think, the most important part uh, for speed scaling for us. Hmm. Uh, in, in practice, uh, explain to us what it actually involves. How does speed scaling work? Sure. See, there are broadly about uh, four steps, right? Uh, the first step is to be able to assess where the gaps are in terms of scaling up with speed. So the first step is what we call as a scalability quotient uh, that we devised, uh, which has several parameters to assess the company's scalability potential. And these parameters go into um, you know, finding data about if the product has already been launched, then you know traction on the product, customer engagement. Um, it it looks at uh, written on sales on the marketing spends. It looks at team composition, whether they have the right teams uh, in place. It looks at board composition. It looks at governance. It looks even at the quality of money that they've raised. Right. So all this tells us where the gaps are, and. The first step also gives us like a spider web, tells us exactly is a gap in marketing or sales or in the team or something else. And the second step then is to bring them into a boot camp uh, that we typically do. Uh, we used to do it for about a week. And now we do it uh, in the new boot camps. We try to shorten that to about three days uh, to bring in uh, you know, people who are experts in those areas where the startup needs help, right? Uh, it's almost like going back to school uh, and actually drawing out your go-to market or speed, we call it the speed scaling plan for the next one year, okay? At the end of the boot camp, they actually create that plan, right? And they actually make sure that, okay, uh, you know, a session from a founder from let's say Licious uh, suddenly told me about how should I package my product, right? And they actually put that in and they make a plan. Uh, that's the second step. The third step is now raising enough capital for that plan to be successful and raising it from the right people, not just the fund. You know, I don't want to take the entire allocation. I want to ensure that I bring in people who can actually help and they have to put money behind this. I don't want free mentorship because you know when you put money behind it, they actually will help more better. That's the third step. And the fourth then is pure speed scaling. What we do is uh, almost like a process. We get regular updates almost on a weekly basis to ensure that the company is sticking to the plan. Uh, we introduce the company to a number of sales distribution channels. Uh, we uh, talk to the mentors and the company, uh, you know, seeing what needs to be done. Uh, we try to fix, you know, very intensely, almost like co-founders in the company for the first six months. And that really helps them to get to that 10x in terms of sales or growth. And once they do that, they know how this whole machine is running. So those are the four broad steps to speed scaling for us. And uh, which areas uh, have you focused on over the last five, six years? Sure. 
say the first two years we were completely diversified. Uh, we basically picked companies that were opportunistic. The last uh, three and a half years, we basically focused on three verticals. Uh, media and urban lifestyle is one vertical for us. Uh, when I say media, it's, uh, it's basically technologies in film and entertainment, gaming and television, right? And urban lifestyle means more digital consumer brands and consumer enablement technologies. Okay, so this is one vertical. Uh, the second vertical for us is health tech. Uh, in health tech, again, we picked four areas, oncology, fertility, genetics, and remote diagnostics. And the last is urban tech, which is basically around sustainability, climate control, the climate tech, um, you know, real estate tech, um, you know, water, clean water, and things like that. Like basically problems that urban cities are facing today. Right. So these are the three verticals which we develop deep expertise and partnerships. So uh, we basically created mini ecosystems or you can call them mini anthills around these three verticals. So each of them have their own teams. They have their own partner who leads that. And they also have their own corporate ecosystem, which supports that initiative. And uh, you're also collaborating on multiple uh, accelerators, each one focused on specific areas. Uh, I read about uh, Urban Eye, Anthill Studio, Lumos, and A-Scale. Uh, tell us how these work. Okay. So basically, broadly, there are about, uh, you know, uh, three accelerators, which is basically Urban Eye, then there is, which is Urban Lifestyle. Then there is Lumos, uh, which is healthcare, which I talked about. And the new one is Indesex, which is urban tech. Okay. So these are the three areas. A-scale is on the top. Basically, what A-scale does is it's a Singapore government-funded program wherein we, in these three verticals, we try to globalize companies. Okay. So when a company is ready to be scaled up from Singapore into other markets, Right? We pick companies from these verticals. Vice versa, if there are companies from Singapore that want to scale up into other markets in India, then we, we pick into, the, into these verticals. But broadly, there are these three verticals that I just mentioned, accelerators. And how do you select your startups for these programs? What do you look for? Yeah, so, uh, you know, a, a, a set of parameters from a scalability quotient I mean, if you go to our website today, uh, you, can you can do a quick test on how scalable you are, right? Uh, that actually, you know, brings in a lot of great deal flow. And the way we do it is that every time we announce a cohort, we actually market that uh, as a program, right? Uh, so, for example, when we announced the Urban Eye cohort, uh, we, we, did a, we did a PR exercise, we, we did a digital media uh, you know, uh, creation in terms of applications. We reached out to other accelerators, even corporate and uh, uh, other accelerators. We, we reached out to VC funds and we asked companies to apply. And uh, we got, and we said, okay, here is the, here is the support that we will provide. Okay. Uh, so that's how we get a lot of applications. Every time we announce a cohort, uh, we get at least 
between anywhere between 250 to 700 applications. Uh, and out of that, we pick about five to 10 companies to work with. I was quite interested to learn more about Intersex. I think you announced it last month. Um, tell us about which areas uh, you want to focus on and also a bit more detail on uh, what Intersex does. I mean, I understand broadly it is about applying technology to solve problems in uh, large cities and so on. That's right. So basically, the uh, the thought behind Index X is to just reimagine the Indus Valley civilization, right? I mean, uh, we had one of the most uh, amazing, um, you know, minds working at that point to develop uh, so many foundations of what uh, you know we we develop technology from. So that's why we took that word, uh, you know, that civilization, and said, okay. How is it different now? I mean, this pandemic today has made us think completely differently about working from home, uh, you know, uh, shopping differently, uh, to, uh, to think about clean water, sustainability. So for us, living in urban cities is the premise behind uh, Indesex and how to make that living more comfortable. Right uh, now, the kind of companies that we're looking for here um, are, you know, obviously sustainability and climate tech is on the top out there. Uh, but we're also looking at construction technology. Uh, we found companies in Switzerland uh, where uh, they're using nano material to uh, to reduce the amount of cement that goes into construction. So we look at material. We look at companies like those. We uh, we've invested in a Swedish electric car, uh, which is a small electric car, but is much more EV efficient than the electronic cars that are that electric cars that are there right now in the market. With a small amount of charge, it can go for a longer period of time. It has great technology inside, and that for us is a part of Indesex. Um, so you know, uh, basically areas that require attention. Uh, from um, you know people today and there's so many technologies that will come in and will change the way we live uh, in urban cities uh, there's another one that i would talk about is a company uh, actually an indian founder who um, who's invented a product that can actually clean air uh, outside in the premises so we're looking and evaluating that kind of a company uh, normally, VC firms uh, tend to talk about uh, the funds they have raised, I mean, fund one, second, and so on. Uh, is that the case with uh, Anthill as well? I mean, uh, which fund are you at right now? How much money have you raised so far? Yeah, so see, the, we, we're actually not known to in the market for really uh, as a VC firm. I mean, that's not what I would like to be called as, to be honestly, uh, because I feel that the because the number of VC firms there are a number of people who write checks and give money. But where we, I think, excel in is provide this additional support, which is the main core of our offering to the companies. Uh, so, you know, our India fund is quite small. We started uh, really small, but there is obviously a follow-on fund that's coming up uh, in Singapore. Uh, we will announce, uh, uh, you know, the funds as soon as we've closed all the paperwork. Uh, Prasad, thank you again for making time for this. Thank you, Hari. Thanks a lot. That was Prasad Wanga of Antil Ventures. That's it for this briefing. You can find all our podcasts on ForbesIndia.com 
or on your favorite podcast apps. I'm Hari Arkali. Thank you for listening.